Hey, everybody, Alan Arnett here and with another interview for Everest 2021. And oh, my gosh, uh, you know, normally we talk to guides and other people. But today we've got a doubleheader with a couple of just unbelievable athletes and professionals in mainly in the sport of football, both college as well as NFL, but um, also in mountaineering. And so it's my pleasure to uh, to welcome Mark Pattison and Jim Mora. Hey, guys. Hey, you doing, thank Alan? you. So what uh, what we're up to here today is that Mark, uh, he is striving to be the first NFL, ex-NFL player to do the combination of Mount Everest and Lhotse in 24 hours. Uh, you know, that's a rare feat these days. If you look at Everest, uh, there's been around 4,300 people, individuals that have summited, not including Sherpas, so about 4,300 people, but um, only 110 have done the double uh, and only 30 Americans and only 17 Americans have done that double. So if Mark gets it, uh, he will be in a rare comp, uh, comp or, uh, company as well as probably the only person 59 or older that have done it as, as an American. Uh, Mark uh, started off his career uh, as being a very successful high school football player, then went on to uh, play at the University of Washington under the famous uh, Don James in the 1980s. And then he went on to have a pro football career. He was uh, drafted by the uh, by the Los Angeles Raiders in the uh, seventh round in 1985. And he played for the Raiders, Los Angeles Rams, and the New Orleans Saints, uh, and just had a nice career there. So he's um, definitely an individual that understands competition in sports and big, big, big challenges like he'll face on Everest. So Jim, Jim is also been associated with football forever. Uh, currently, he's an analyst for uh, Sports Illustrated and uh, Fox Sports with uh, for doing college football analyst. He was also an American football coach, uh, head coach of the UCL, UCLA Bruins, and um, and also NFL. Uh, he play, uh, was coach for the Falcons as well as the Seattle Seahawks in two thousand nine. So, you guys, what in the world are you doing climbing mountains? <laughs> we love it. We love it. We love it. And I'll tell you one minute thing, you know, Jim and I have been uh, running mates from way back. We played at the at University of Washington together and the careers have been fairly parallel. Jim went into the coaching ranks. I was a player and Jim, uh, I think you were in the NFL. You're a coach either at the head level, a defensive coordinator or, um, you know, a defensive badge for what, 25 years. Yeah, I spent 25 years in the NFL and then uh, a couple of years uh, working for NFL on Fox and then jumped into college for six years. And now I'm back doing some uh, media work. But yeah, Mark and I have we've gone up a lot of hills. We put in a lot of vertical together. Uh, this trip up Everest and Lhotse, Mark will be alone uh, in person, but I'll be with him every step of the way, as will many of his friends. And coach, you've been uh, helping Mark get prepared for this. Uh, you know, when you when you think about how you've been helping him, did you approach helping him as a as a coach, as a training partner, differently than you did as a as a coach in football? Well, I, Mark is really an internally motivated guy. Um, you know, I think some people are externally motivated; things have to motivate them. And I think for Mark, it's more it's the goal, it's the process that it takes to reach the goal. And then it's achieving a goal and immediately setting another goal. He's always climbing. And uh, for me, it's just been supporting that. It, I, I haven't had to coach him. I tell you what, Alan, in the last month, 
is probably the only time that, that, uh, you know, that we praying together that I've kind of talked to him about little things. And the only thing that I've asked Mark and I've begged him to do, and I pray that he will, and I'm sure that he will is make good decisions. You know, he is absolutely 100% prepared uh, physically and emotionally and mentally to, to take on this challenge. Uh, but for me, it's Mark making great decisions on the mountain, listening to Garrett Madison, listening to the Sherpa, doing what they say. You know, Mark's a hard charger. He's like a Labrador retriever. If you throw a ball out there, he's going to go chase it down. And the goal for him or the, the you know, the ball is the summit. But I want to make sure that, that he does everything the right way so that we can get him back home. You know, I, I thought about having, hey, let's have a, a, a send-off party for Mark. And I, I don't even want to think about that. I want to have a welcome home party for him. That's fantastic. Yeah, we're going to get into the parallels between um, training to be a world-class football player and training to climb a world-class mountain in a few minutes. So, Mark, this um, if you when you get, I won't use that word if, when you get to the top of the world, that'll be your uh, seventh of the seven summits. Uh, talk to us a little bit about where that dream began, because you've done Kilimanjaro, Elbrus, uh, Kosciuszko. That was a tough one. Did you take the chairlift up on that one? I did not do that. I took. I went the other side. It was. Okay. It, you know, I, call, I actually call that. I call that the fun seven, and it was. You know, who, you know, in the snowy mountains. You're down in Australia. You're having a great time. You can do it in ten hours or so, and you go back, and that night you're having a beer. You know, and and celebrating that win. It was great. And you did Aconcagua in 2016 and then mm-hmm. um, Denali. You wanted to go in 17, but got postponed because of bad weather. And then you got it in 18 and you got Vincent in 19. Uh, but you talk about, I've read before, we talk about how Denali was a little bit of a challenge. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff to unpack right there. I mean, I, the in 2017, I was I was climbing with Mike Hamill, great uh, mountain guide, and it was up, actually up on uh, Denali. We got to 14,200, and we had other challenges the entire time. We actually climbed that ice wall that you've been up um, to take us to what 16,000 something yeah. like that. Yeah, 15 and change, and then we came back down after uh, burying a stash up there. Um, and just the weather never got better. It was a lenticular cloud on top of the, uh, on top of Denali. It was minus 80 degrees up there. It was minus 40 degrees every night in our tent. And there was a super storm that was coming. We could see it on the weather uh, patterns that we, we, that we had. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't going to happen. And, and that's just where, really where Mother Nature kicked in. And then, of course, 2018, um, I was able to take the top on, on, on June 6th. But I want to go back just really quickly. You know, you asked Jim about um, this 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 adventure that we've both gone into, and we very, I mean, beyond words. I don't even know what the, the the actual how I'd frame this up: grateful, thankful, appreciative, all those things. But to have a training partner like Jim, all the things we've been through in football, um, I've been cut, I've been traded. Um, Jim's been fine. You know, we've we've had everything happen to us, and so as much as as Jim called it, this kind of this internal fortitude of motivation of going up and down the mountains. We have this little phrase that we use called trail talk. And we have solved more mount, uh, more problems <laughs> on that trail and on those mountains going up and down about my divorce, about his divorce, about him getting fired, about me, you know, things, negative things happening to me. And, and so getting into the mountains, there was another huge negative event that happened to me about 10 years ago where I, was, I went through a, a separation, ultimately divorced from my longtime uh, gal. And it was, it was really, really, really difficult. And, you know, it was, it was really kind of this whole 
gigantic goal. Jim and I both grew up in the Northwest. And so we grew up around the Whitakers, around Ed Veasters. And all these guys have now become friends. By the time, you know, we, we admired those guys. Those guys were mentors. They had conquered these big, huge summits. And, and for us, or for me, myself, to be able to fall in their shoes. And when I did some research of how that no NFL player at the time had, had done these, I said, I'm going to be that guy. And so I've been on this war path for years. And to pull Jim into that, to have a training partner that goes at the same speed I go and has the same motivation that I have has just been an absolute blessing from heaven that I, I don't know that I could ever replace. So it's a huge reason why I continue the journey. I continue pushing and, and making that climb up the mountain. Yeah, I un totally understand this trail talk. I've got a good buddy here in Colorado that we go uh, climbing and hiking together. And uh, we, we kind of have, we're on different ends of the spectrum with respect to philosophy and life and beliefs and all that kind of stuff. But there's this intersection that gives us this commonality. And But we often joke that we'll get into some heated argument and then, then we walk in silence for 30 minutes and then we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> also, one uh, one comment about Denali. Yeah, I spent uh, eight eight nights, uh, seven days at the high camp in uh, 2011. Oh. Uh, four people in a three person tent watching that lenticular form every day. So, um, you, you give me a little PTSD there with your story. Yeah. So you're you're talking about seventeen thousand plus of you know, and that's that's a tough place to be on on that foreign north uh, this part of the world. So we're going to get into the training here in a second, but. Um, Mark, talk to us a little bit about how the transitioning, there's been two, there's been many transitions in your life, but the two I want to focus on are when you went from football to becoming a successful business person, and then also now adding climbing, and you kind of already touched on a little bit with the seven summits, but talk about first that transition. When you left the NFL, you know, you were five years, uh, it's got to consume your life as an NFL player. So then you go and you're going to start these businesses and become a successful business person. Talk to us about the challenges of that and how you addressed it, how you approached it. Well, it wasn't easy. And Jim and I have both been involved in and also interacting with the military. Community. And I think there's a lot of parallels, you know, between the two. Um, you talked about five years in the NFL. Really, I look at it as 10 years because to play at the highest level days back in the Pac-10 at the University of Washington, we went to two Rose Bowls, two Aloha Bowls, one Orange Bowl. And to put that level and to be a starter took all out dedication and commitment. And there's a lot of sacrifice that had to be made. And of course, you have to do the same thing at the NFL level. Um, and, and when I stopped playing, you know, it wasn't my choice to stop playing. I'd, I would love to position it like I retired. So I guess technically I did, but I didn't. Um, I was really thrown out. And that's just that the reality. And Jim is a, a, a longtime NFL coach. And so he's been through a lot of that heartache with a lot of players like me. But, you know, um, they've, that the NFL, to their credit, has done a fantastic job of really developing programs now of life after football, transitioning, even when, you, when you're still playing football, of starting educated um, on, you know, whether you want to be a sportscaster or you want to go in and be a stockbroker, there's all these different programs that there's, they're set up for success. And back in those days, there was nothing like that. And so I was a, pretty much a lost mess for a couple of years, you know, two years, I didn't know which way to turn and I wasn't skilled at doing anything. And it frustrated me. And this is part of my ego back then um, that all my buddies, you know, I didn't stop playing until I was 20, 30. And, and all my buddies had been working since 22. Now they had done the kind of zigzag 
and they had attained their certain success. And now I had to go back and start the bottom. And, and so it was just really hard to process. And it took me a number of years. And even though that, you know, I look back on it and had some successful outcomes in business, you know, at the time, there's no certainty that any of that was going to happen. I just, you know, was flying kind of by the seat of my pants, but utilizing those same kind of principles that made us successful um, back in college and in the NFL, the same principles of the pyramid of success of how to goal set and go after things. Nice, nice. So you started the um, uh, climbing. Was it, well, I guess um, it was Killy your first one in 2013? Yeah, sure but was that, that was your first of the seven summits, but you climbed, did you do any hiking climbing prior to that? Yeah, Jim and I, there's a mountain up in, um, up in Washington, outside of Seattle called Tiger Mountain. And we probably been on the top of that. Jim, what do you think? 150 times? At least. Yeah. And we'd go early in the morning. We'd go, you know, any time of the season, it didn't matter if it was 90 degrees out or 20 degrees out and three feet of snow, we were going to go up that, up that trail uh, regularly. Nice tiger. Yeah. That's like my longs peak here. Uh, by the way, we're expecting, uh, you're going to get six feet of snow, uh, oh on peak uh, this weekend. We're oh like my goodness. Two to three feet of snow here in a uh, collar in Fort Collins. But Mark, as you began to make this transition, uh, or adding to your CV, this whole mountaineering aspect, um, uh, what drew you to the mountaineering? Well, I, again, I, I, I go back and I wanted a monster goal. I knew I still play in the NFL, obviously. And I knew Jim and I have always been very physical. And, and the one thing that I've, I've always kind of been good at is going up. You know, whenever Jim and I climb, typically I'm in front going up. And Jim is always in front going down. He's much faster than I am going down than, than, than I am. And, and, and so it, it just seemed like, you know, growing up in the Northwest, um, knowing all those different famous mountaineers, um, uh, looking at uh, Mount Rainier out my window every day. Um, yeah. Jim and I have both climbed that now. Um, um, and there was, a, there was a moment, and this goes, Jim was the head coach of the Seahawks. And I think, Jim, you guys were on some kind of fundraiser, but I was invited to climb up to Camp Mir with Ed Veasters, Jim, and there was this, the CEO of, of the Seattle Seahawks. And, and that was my first time I got to uh, meet uh, Ed Veasters and Jim had known him for years and had him come in and speak. And it just really inspired me that I could actually hang with him going up the mirror, even though that was at like a small win. Um, but it still inspired me. Jim, do you remember that time when we were that yeah. beautiful sunny day? Yeah. And, and see, Mark, Mark's a com great competitor, Alan. And, uh, you know, everything for Mark is a challenge. And it's, but it's healthy. You know, I think sometimes you say that about people, it indicates an obsessiveness, but with Mark, I think it's healthy. And I, I remember that day very, very well is that, you know, Mark was not going to let Ed get a step on him. And <laughs> I think Mark beat Ed up to mirror by, you know, 20 minutes. Now I don't think Ed was going as fast as I think, you know, Ed's a special, special guy, different. He's built different than a lot of us, but it just kind of went to Mark's competitiveness. And, you know, Mark wanting to go uphill, uh, you know, my whole life, I've liked to go uphill. Mark's whole life, he's liked to go uphill. I think, you know, we used to run the stairs at Husky Stadium all the time. It was always a challenge with Tiger. But I think, you know, for both of us at this point lives, with the things that we've gone through in our personal lives or professional lives, uh, going uphill, just it, it's, it gives us a sense of uh, reward at the end. You know, it kind of reinforces the pain that we felt along the way. But it gives us when we, when we reach the top and, you know, take a sit down, take a sip of water. It's like 
a sense of reward that I don't know where you're going to get elsewhere in life because the only person that's going to propel you up that up that hill or that mountain is is yourself you know and you're relying completely on yourself and when you rely completely on yourself and you accomplish it it's a really great internal feeling that you share with yourself and I'm able to share with Mark almost on a daily basis so true that um, it's a there's this individual sense of satisfaction when you accomplish something be it um, you know graduating from learning a foreign language, graduating with a degree of, you know, in, in any, at any level or uh, summiting a mountain. And, uh, you know, it used to be that mountain climbing back in the, you talked about Whitaker earlier, back in those days, that was a, those were group teams. I, I say this often that and if one person summited, the whole team summited. Um, and these days it's a little bit different in this world of commercial climbing that uh, it's, it's a team of individuals. So I think the sense of satisfaction is, is really, really strong when you do accomplish that. Hey, so, hey, hey, um, before you go on from there, um, I just want to throw one thing that Jim was just talking about. And Alan, you, well, both and I climbed, we were, we were very blessed. I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2017, Jim, when we were invited to be a part of uh, Chris Long, uh, son of Howie Long, a longtime NFL player, star NFL player. Um, he started a foundation called Water Boys, and Jim and I raised a bunch of money, $7,000 to go down to um, to Tanzania and go out in the Serengeti and celebrate with these people that we build a water well for them. And then in the group we climbed, that was 2017. But my first year um, in 2013, as you mentioned, Alan, you know, when I got to that top, you know, there's kind of a false top because you get to the ridge and then you have to go another mile or whatever it is to take the top, right? And so I had had a lot of challenges on my day. I, I was down there by myself. I was just emerging out of this time. And and, and so um, I, I, had, I started in the morning, I'd gone about an hour and I just completely bonked. I didn't understand about hydration and fueling and all that stuff. And so the, the porter down there was kind of hitting me and pushing me around and shoving a, a protein bar down my face. And I drank some water and I got up and, and kind of to Jim's point, I grinded through it, it was hard and I made it to the top and I take that top. And when I was coming back down and cresting over that, that false, uh, summit when you first uh, come over the come over the top, um, I just burst out in tears. I was hysterically like crying, you know, and and it, and it, it and I hadn't really cried since I was about eleven, you know. I mean, that's how kind of broken I was at the time. Number one and number two, like kind of exactly what Jim just said. It was that personal accomplish that that metaphor of if you can do something as tough as this, you can overcome anything, you know, and that's how I felt at the time. And that's why there was just this sense of joy, tears of happiness. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. You reached all a point and you still got a little bit further to go to get to the very top of, uh, of Chile. Fantastic area. You going to um, safari afterwards? We didn't. Um, and I went back to this very nice hotel and got massages for two days. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably as good as a safari. Yeah. Hey, let's um, let's shift a little bit and talk about um, physical and mental preparation, something that you both are experts in from an athletic perspective. Um, and I really I want to talk about various aspects of it from the physical, uh, you know, what are you doing, Mark, to train that perhaps is different than you did uh, in the NFL uh, also, what are you doing emotionally? And but I want to start off, and I also want to talk about team dynamics a little bit because you both are experts in uh, in team dynamics. But I want to start off with this whole idea, and I want to start with you, Coach, um, about mental toughness. And we we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but um, you know, you will, Mark, you will hit the wall on Everest. Everybody does. 
you know, it's mile 23 in the marathon, right? And you're going to hit something that's going to be two o'clock in the morning. It's going to, wind's going to be blowing at 20 miles an hour, 20 degrees below zero. You're on the Southeast Ridge and you're going, oh, wow. You know, you're stuck. All you hear is the sound of your own breath intaking that oxygen. <laughs> Total silence. You're clipping the rope. All you see ahead of you are headlamps. You look back down to South Coal. You look over on Lotsey. You see headlamps. And all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, man. This is, this is a lot harder than I ever thought. So when you hit that point, this is when the mental toughness comes into play. So coach, you got Mark standing there. He's looking around, seeing these headlamps and he's having that moment. Talk, talk to your man. Well, I've been with him in a lot of these moments that weren't necessarily a mountain but they were in life where you're forced to take the next step and, or you retreat into the abyss. And Mark's never been ever, ever since I've known him since we were 17, he doesn't retreat. Um, he has a saying that I use now. Uh, it's his saying or someone else, but action creates reaction. Whenever I felt stalled in my life, I go back to that. What Mark said, action creates reaction. It's like, you know, him setting this goal of, of doing the seven summits plus Lotsi to have a little bit of a, well, a big funk that he was in. And, and I think when he's standing there and he reaches that moment, I think that just having been around him all these years and then these last two years really training hard for this moment, um, he's just going to take the next step and the next step will lead to the next step and the next step will lead to the next step. He doesn't retreat. He, he has mental toughness. I'm going to tell you yesterday we're skinning. We're skinning up Baldy, and there's this there's this little hill about halfway up, and typically, as Mark said earlier, I kind of I'm kind of in his footsteps behind him, and I go, I'm sitting there, I go, let's see what he does. He is stopping, he's checking his phone, and I go, I'm gonna kind of start up this hill, and I'm gonna kind of go, I'm not gonna go hard, but I'm gonna see how long it takes him, not only get to me but pass. And I'm, I'm going up this hill and I can hear him coming. I'm going, this son of a gun, man. He cannot stand it. He can't stand it that I'm in front of him. And he blows by me. And I'm talking to Alan. This is probably like only 150, 200 yard hill. He beats me by about 20 yards, you know, and that's the kind of guy he is. It's like, it's like I said, the lab, the ball's out in front. I got to get it. And I think, you know, I mentioned making good decisions. You know, I know he's going to make the good decisions. But I know he's not going to retreat. He's totally retreated. He's just too tough. I think probably the hardest thing for Mark is going to be when he gets back to, to Camp 4 and it's now 10 o'clock the next night and Garrett knocks on the tent says, load up, buddy. We're going up Lotsi. And Mark's going to be tired. But I've never seen him. I shouldn't say never. I, I can think in the 30 years I've known him of maybe one or two times where he's kind of relented. You know, relent relentlessness is one of his attributes. You know, he's just, he just goes, he's hard. Um, he's tough. Um, and he's got a mindset. And, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, you know, climbing seven summit or even the addition of Lotsi is it's a badge of honor, but I think for Mark, it's more than a badge of honor. I don't think he's doing it for anybody else. You know, I think it's really cool that, you know, he'll be the first ex NFL player to, to, to do what he's doing, but, I think deep down inside, there's there's a higher purpose for Mark. I've seen it grow. It went from just being about him to being about others around him. And I have this saying <clears throat> that I think is for Mark. It's lift while you climb. You know, as he climbs, he's lifting others around him. He's doing a lot for charity and philanthropic stuff. 
And I don't think any of this would have happened had he not climbed. But the mental toughness, Alan, that's a mentally tough sucker right there. There's not a lot of guys built like him. Well said, well said. I can see, Mark, why you uh, you and you really value your relationship with, uh, with Jim, with Coach. Mark, talk to us a little bit about physical training. I know you're a big fan of resistance training. Uh, I saw some video where you're doing CrossFit in the morning, you know, with the with the ropes and, you know, good Lord, man, you look like you're 20 years old. So, well, you know, Jim, we, Jim, Jim's right with me. On all those things, <laughs> oh, I didn't see you there. Okay, Jim. So uh, you know, when, you Everest, <laughs> when you climb Everest, it's, it's really not about, about, you know, being this muscle builder, you know, this big bodybuilder, you know, bulked up. It's really about cardio and stamina, long days, mental toughness, which Jim did a great job of covering, but there's also this whole physical aspect of it. So talk to us about what you've been doing um, physically, Mark, to get ready for this. Well, I want to be, I will. And okay. before I, I dig in there, let, let's just go back to your first question to Jim. I, I don't personally think that you can be mentally strong without being physically strong. And, and maybe they work together in a way, but I, I just, you have to, to, to form a, a very strong physical foundation in order to weather those things that um, no question will get tough. And they've been tough on other mountains. And like Jim said, you know, you just got to keep pushing through. And you can't have your body fail on you, even though your mind may be strong, right? You got to make sure that that body, you know, if you're in, we, we, we skinned up the mountain yesterday with a, a good friend of ours and uh, you know, he, he never done it before and he was just dying and he wanted to quit. And Jim gave him the coach's speech about don't quit and keep going and all this <laughs> stuff. But that's just a classic example of his body was going and then his mind went, I mean, it just like that way. So, so, um, so that's one. Number two is I think one of the advantages I have, and I'm not talking about me compared to anybody other than me, but an advantage that, that strikes in my favor is none of these people that have climbed have ever gone through six weeks of two-a-days. And the two-a-days now from the NFL is totally different from the way it is today because they're much lighter with all these different rules. But to be able to survive that, to get, you know, I'd run 10 miles a day as a wide receiver, to get, you know, hit by Ronnie Lott, you know, these are not fun things to do. And as Jim said, to figure out a way that you can just, all you have to do is survive, get to the next day, get to the next, don't get hung up on who's being cut and all this other stuff. Um, right now, so now let's fast forward into to um, last year, we were supposed to go with Garrett Madison, um, you know him well, um, and, and, and uh, everything got pushed out due to COVID. And so I, I, even though I was disappointed, um, I looked at it as a huge opportunity. Um, Jim and I um, were fortunate. We live at the base of this beautiful mountain here in Sun Valley, Idaho. And we will have put just in the winter, just in the winter, this has nothing to do with the summer training and everything else, but we will put in about 160,000 um, vertical feet of training. And that's going straight up and straight down. And again, that's not fun, especially during the deep, dark winter, you know, it's dark out and you've got a headlamp on and all those things. And so that's been a component. Um, another component has been this, um, this, uh, this um, training that we've been doing using these resistance bands. It's something new that Jim and I fell on. Um, and, and, and you're right, we're not looking to get bulked up and bench 300 pounds. It's not about that. It's about using this different movement and creating more um, leg strength around that. And just another element in the way that you can tell your body, this is something different besides just going up and down. And then just doing other CrossFit type stuff, which I do every morning. So it's usually, it's a seven day a week thing. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to build up that, that inference, like you said, to be able to take on not just Everest, but low T2. We did, Alan, we last year, I keep track of it. I don't think Mark keeps track of it like I do, but um, last year in the year of 2020, we did close to 500,000 vertical feet of either hiking or biking, uh, skinning. And this year in, you know, we're what, 11 days into March, we've done about uh, 75,000 vertical feet. And, you know, I'm always chasing him up, but I think it's just that, that constantly going uphill and testing our bodies and, you know, not only testing our bodies, but testing our minds. Cause there's always that moment where you just go, Hey, look, I can turn around right now and yeah. get out of this pain. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's pressing through that, that I think is going to help. I just have, I have great confidence in the work Mark has done. Uh, I know the work he's done. I've seen all the work he's done. I'll just keep coming back and hopefully you can reiterate. It's just making the right decisions, you know, in the moment when you're those dangerous peaks. Well, you know, a lot of that comes down to, uh, by the way, um, for the uh, viewers out here that uh, the mountain they're talking about, bald mountains, a little over 9,000 feet, 3,400 foot vertical gains. So it's, uh, it's I, actually, it's an ideal training mountain because it's not too high not too low and, you know, lots of, um, lots of steepness to it. Um, you know, making the right call. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that comes down to being with the right team and you're going to be with Garrett Madison of Madison Mountaineering. Um, it sounds like Garrett's got a great team going up this year. Um, you know, I, I, Garrett and I own K2 back in 2014. I was with Garrett in 2015 on Everest when the uh, earthquake hit. So um, Garrett is a really dear friend and you are in, uh, you are in great, great hands. Team dynamics. You know, you guys are experts at this from the, you know, from your athletic background, both at, you know, high school, college, pro level. Um, you know, when you have a team on the mountain, as I said a moment ago, that, that often it's a team of individuals, but also there's this, I call it an accelerated bonding environment where all of a sudden you find yourself confessing to things that you would never tell anybody else, you know, in the dining tent in front of people that you just met a week ago. And also you're looking at them and you're thinking, you know, if I fell in a crevasse, would she save me? Would he pull me out? You know, so you begin to understand that really this truly is a unified team. Um, but you also have people that you go, you know, I really don't want to spend any more time with that person. You know, maybe, maybe they're overly negative and you want to be surround yourself with only positive people. So talk to us a little bit about team dynamics and what you, I mean, you've been on a lot of climbs already, Mark, but, um, how do you compare the team dynamics and mountaineering with team dynamics in the NFL, Mark? Well, that's been interesting. It's been, you know, the, the one thing about when you're the, when you're climbing, unlike the NFL, is that if you're not, if you haven't come prepared to training camp, in this case on the mountain, um, you're not going to get cut, right? Now you're playing with your life. Um, in the NFL, they weed the week out and they get rid of those um, who are negative nailies and it made it for a better team dynamic, right? Because they're always in search of that perfect uh, ecosystem like you see with Tom Brady for example where it's it's there's a, there's a perfect hierarchy going all the way down of of like who's the boss who's in charge and then people rolling up to that particular person you know when you're mountain climbing one of the frustrating things I've run into is I've trained probably harder than anybody um, and and you know then I got on these mountains and I typically get stuck with the weakest people 
Now I know that Everest is different because you know we're we're clipped to the mountain, not to an individual. But at the end of the day, you still have to work in synchronicity. Um, there's a guy that we both know, Don Cash, that was um, yeah. this is a good example, a great guy, but he was just a person that did not. It was really more about the T-shirt doing epic shit um, than the actual training. He told me when we were teammates together down in 2019 in, in Antarctica, Mount Vincent that as soon as he got done with the seven summit goal and he was hoping to complete it in 2019, he was going to throw all his, his climbing gear away. And I think for guys like Jim and I were like, this is our passion. This is what drives us. This is our, this is our love of the mountains. You know, we've gained so much clarity in what we do and all the benefits that come with it. And unfortunately for Don, you know, he got to the top of Mount Everest in, in 2019. I think he reported on it. He raised his hand and fell over and he still is, you know, hung on the line up there. I saw some pictures. And so it's tragic. So it's probably the hardest thing that, uh, like you said, there's all these dynamics and who's trying to be the alpha dog and the funny guy and all this stuff. And I've just, from my experience, I've just like, you know, when I come into camp, I'm low key and things will slowly emerge. I don't have to tell my story in, in the first night um, of everybody drinking beers and everything else. And and, and just, you know, like you said, who can you really depend on? And you'll only know that this test over time. And, and hopefully that everybody else has, you know, brought their game to the table so they don't jeopardize my climb or anybody else's. So coach, you know, there's a lot of disparate personalities that are going to be on Mark's climbing team, as well as, you know, you guys have experienced, uh, especially as a head coach, trying to manage these huge egos and, you know, in different levels of uh, skills. So how do, how do you manage it from a, from a team dynamic perspective? Well, I think that it starts with Garrett and um, Garrett's personality and his leadership style, which I, you know, knowing him is, is strong, but gentle. Um, he's not a reactionary guy. He's very measured. And so I think his messages hopefully resonate with everybody, but you're always going to, you're going to find those cavalier people that uh, no matter what, it's about me, you know, it's about me getting to the top. Uh, you know, you watch all these documentaries and you, you can identify that personality very quickly. And I think, you know, if it was me and I was dark and I was up there and I identified that personality, I would do all I could to separate myself from him without letting him know I was separating myself from him. I would never, I would never uh, abandon him in a, in a moment of need, but I would make sure that, uh, that it was very evident that I was connected to this person and I was not going to depend on him. I would, I would create boundaries and barriers and I would put in put safeguards in place so that I didn't get stuck in a situation with someone that was very cavalier and not caring about me where I needed him and he wasn't there. And uh, I, I think also it's identifying the people that uh, have the same motivations as you do. And they might be doing it for different reasons, but the same motivations There's that string of motivation. When you coach football, about 100 different players on your team and they're all from different backgrounds. And some of them are playing because their dad wants them to or because financially they'll be able to help their family out or because they were always the biggest or the strongest. Um, I always wanted to find the guys that loved football, you know, and for Mark, it's about finding the people that love to climb and that are climbing for the purity of it, or because they want to lift others up or because uh, it's going to bring them an internal joy rather than climbing for uh, like, you know, to get, like Mark said, to get the shirt, 
or to say you did it, you know, um, you don't have to, you don't have to tell everyone what you did, man, just do it for yourself. And I think, I think Garrett is the key right there. And then I think Mark's going to go and he's going to be a strong leader. And he said it, he's not going to impose himself on people immediately, but over the course of that time that they're, that they're acclimatizing and they're climbing through the ice fall and they're, you know, working their way up the mountain, he's going to, he's going to present himself as a natural leader through his strength. Uh, his physical strength and through his mental toughness and mental fortitude and people are going to bond with him and they're going to want to follow him. And that's why when he's been on some of these climbs, you know, people have, have said, Hey, listen, we're in trouble here. You need to guide. And he's able to take the reins and guide people up the mountain. Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. I can see why you were a head coach. <laughs> Just <laughs> talk about team dynamics um, and motivation and trying to keep everybody on the same page. All right, we're going to shift here. Um, and I'm going to do this, what I call a, a lightning round. I'm going to just give you a word or a short phrase. And I would like for you to respond with one word and one word only. <laughs> and so I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say Mark, and then I give you a phrase. I'll go coach, give you a phrase. And then you guys give me a word back and we're going to go through this really fast. And then we're going to, um, we're going to wrap this thing up with uh, talking about What's um what's you know what's the why, Mark? You know why why are you doing this? And I know you have a, a bigger picture reason for why you're doing this and mm -hmm. a cause just like uh just like I do. So yeah. here goes the lightning round. All right, Coach. One word describing Mark's training. Relentless. Mark, why Everest? Because. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, Mark's odds of summiting. One hundred percent. Mark, best training practice? Uphill. Mark, philosophy on life? Achievement. Mark, after Everest? Next. Coach, big hit? <laughs> lot. Ronnie Lot. <laughs> Mark, shoe size. One and a half. Mark, favorite TV star in a commercial? Jerry Seinfeld. Mark, two-minute drill. Uphill. Focus. <laughs> Mark, summit. Focus. You're cheating now. Mark, Super Bowl of climbing Everest coach tenacity Mark Patterson Mark Raiders excellence coach Saints Whew, uh, <laughs> uh, home Mark quarterback Joe Montana coach Wide receiver. Jerry Rice. Mark, linebacker. Matt Mellon. <laughs> All right, that was fun. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> um, whoa, wow. Mark, you have a choice to, uh, to ski, climb, or podcast. What do you do? Climb. <laughs> really? But you do all three. I do. <laughs> do you have a favorite of those, those three? Uh. Well, climb. I mean, I, I do. I love it. 
and your podcast has become incredibly popular. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I have a podcast called Finding Your Summit, all about people overcoming adversity and finding their way. And I've done about 190 episodes. We've got well over 105,000 um, downloads measured on iTunes. And it's just been actually really a humbling experience. Jim has been on the show a number of different times to help me get through talking to some of these different people. But, you know, to have people that you talk to that have no arms, no legs, they're blind, they're going down the Colorado River, they've been burned to 80% of their body and come out of it more resilient. And a lot of those things that Jim just talked about, like, you know, the why, and I've got a number of different whys, and, 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 but it, it, it frames things up on, you know, you're only kind of as good as your last play, like my coaches, you know, used to talk about, and, and people out there have it much worse than you do. So what can you do to make a change, not only for others, but also for yourself? Cool. You know, go ahead and talk more about that why and um, uh, your, your cause and uh, the deeper meaning. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, there's a campaign that uh, we started. Amelia is my daughter and she has epilepsy. It's actually Amelia is, is Jim's uh, goddaughter. And um, we started a campaign a couple of years ago called Amelia's Everest. And we, we upped it this last year to Amelia's Everest, the Lotsey Challenge. And we've, we've raised you know, over $110,000 towards this cause um, overall. Um, been really grateful that the NFL Social Grant um, Foundation threw money into this, this cause, um, as well as, as the, NF, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I partnered with a company here in Sun Valley called Higher Ground, ironically. And what their whole purpose is, um, which Jim is now on the board, um, is to bring money and awareness towards military vets and uh, people with cognitive issues like my daughter, to hopefully one day they'll be healed and can do great things. And so, um, you know, it's a push. Uh, there's a lot of motivations I have going up the mountain, but certainly at the end of the day, when things get tough, as you described earlier on that summit ridge somewhere, you know, I'm going to dig back down and she certainly is going to be a reason to keep with. I've, um, I saw a 30 second video uh, of your daughter speaking, very impressive. Um, so I know she'll be with you every step of the way. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, you know, Mark, I think I heard you say or read you that you were quoted as saying that only 1% of people who uh, start off playing football in high school or, in a, you know, um, college level, only 1% make it to the NFL. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a, the odds are just astronomical. And, you know, so many people want to get there. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics of Everest um, out of the, roughly 5,000 plus um, non-Sherpas about, it's only a really 38% uh, that made it above base camp ever summited. So it, it's actually not a, not great odds. Um, but as we've gone through today and, and my gosh, you know, coach here is giving you the, the golden endorsement. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to make this thing, but 1% of make it to the NFL and, and you made it, my friend, you made it. And now well, you're about I, to stand on top of the world. Yeah. And, you know, I've had the, uh, uh, back when I was trying to make the NFL, I had people come up and, and to my face and say, you'll never make it to my face. And to me, that just represented noise. And I've had people around here saying, you're selfish or you're crazy or you'll never make it. And to me, I've just taken that and blocked it out. And, you know, the, again, focusing on the things that you can control and not getting caught up in the Don Cashes and the, the, the statistics that make everything else look bad, right? And so Jim and I putting in 500,000 vertical feet, as he said, 
and 75,000 just in the last couple of months. And, and overall, you know, I will skimmed up 50 times up and down and doing all these things, you know, I'm putting myself in the best position of success to accomplish this, you know, and I learned that a long time ago and I continue that today. And it just like, that seems to be the part of the, the, the winning, you know, formula to success when you have that daily discipline to achieve these different things. Cool. Coach. We're going to give Mark the final word here. I know head coaches like to have the final word, but we're going to give our star here the final word. But uh, last thoughts from you, Coach. Well, I'm proud of Mark, and I'm proud of uh, the transformation that I've seen in him through the years. And we met when we were seniors in high school and have remained close friends since then. And, uh, you know, I said earlier this phrase, lift while you climb. And, uh to me, that represents Mark, not just as a mountain climber, as a guy going up the mountain, but he's a guy that is very become very unselfish, very dependable. Uh, he's gotten kind of out of himself and into the team is a, a phrase I like to use and the team being the community, the climbing community, the philanthropic community. And, uh, you know, he's been through some, some tough times, you know, and we all have. But just to see him be able to maintain this positive attitude day in and day out, you can't get the guy down. I mean, you might get him down, but you can't keep him down. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt, uh, uh, you know, God willing and, and weather permitting that that he he will accomplish, you know, this amazing challenge. And uh, I'm excited to, to, to see that happen, excited to, you know, give him a hug when he comes back home. But uh I'm also excited to see what's next for him. I'll be because I know one thing. I'll be freaking following his little ass up the mountain on whatever his next goal is. <laughs> hey, you know what we should do is, um, Mark, when uh, you get back and celebrating the summit and all, we should get we should have a a little get together again. And uh, and at that time, I'd love Jim for you to tell us the uh, Ronnie Lot finger story. So uh, I can do that. That's a great one. <laughs> Well, I think not, I think not only that, but Jim and I need to come out to Colorado, and I want to I want you to take us up one of those crazy fourteeners that that you have in your backyard. It's a date. Final thoughts, Mark. Look, I, I'm just over the moon appreciative to uh, Alan. You um, starting last year twice, you came on the podcast to tell me what I was in for, um, and you know that all goes into that mental preparation. I spent a lot of time visualizing. I've seen every possible. YouTube video of really mapping out the, the mountain, no different than I did when I was playing, uh, no different than Jim when he was scouting um, before a game and really understanding tendencies and, and, and really sizing up the mountain and what I'm in for and mentally trying to get myself in that position. Um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of people rooting me on and I've been, I've been fortunate that I, I, I did have kind of my 15 minutes of fame back in the day. And, and so this time around, um, you know, there's a NFL documentary that, that, uh, that they're doing on, on me. Jim is a big part of that. Um, the guys were up here this last week um, filming, but really the point of all that is, is not about me anymore. It's really about being able to redirect that light, just like this podcast on a higher cause. Um, and then he's ever still Lotsi challenge. And, you know, not just my daughter, but other people can be healed just like you climbed and was a huge motivating factor for all timers. And so, you know, that's when you really start to get it of paying it forward. 
Great. Fantastic. All right. Hey, thank you both so much. I really appreciate your time this morning. And uh, I can't think of a, a better uh, formula for success than what the two of you have partnered up. And Mark, you're going to do fantastic. Enjoy the experience. Have a positive experience. You know, sometimes we can't control uh, what happens to us, but we can control, you know, how we respond. And you're going to have a positive experience up there. You're with a fantastic team. Nepal is a great place. The Sherpas are fantastic. I'm just so excited for you. I, I wish I could go with you, man. I wish I could go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, All right. I, I, I've really appreciated being on this, this podcast. Thank you so much, Alan. All right. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, Mark. Thank Thanks, you, Mark. Okay. Take guys. care, buddy. I'm on.